Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. Good to have you today. Excited that you're here. Excited that we have an opportunity to go through God's word together as we uh, growing in the Lord together, in the knowledge of Him who called us. So it's a, it's a wonderful time to gather together as God's people to go through His Word. So we continue from where we left um, last week. We read through verses 14, and we do the remaining verses, 15 to 23. Let us ask for God's blessing. Lord, we thank you again for the privilege. We thank you for your word that is before us. We ask that you'd uh, open our eyes to see as you do. Open our understanding, O oh God, that as we receive your word, we'll be able or we'll be excited to do what it says to us, regardless of our surroundings and the situations. We ask of you that you'd open our hearts for you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. We begin here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15. It says, therefore, that is to remind us of the things that we learned last week. Say, therefore, I also, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, therefore, in other words, he's telling us to consider again the things that we went through. Consider who you were. Remember, the, the word of God reminded us that we are saints and at the same time we are sinners who are being worked on on a daily basis. Consider that. But then we have God's blessings Though we are here on earth, but we are in the heavenly places. We are in heaven, heavenly places, where God's blessings dwell. And also, he reminded us of our election, predestination, our redemption, and forgiveness. And the way we were adopted by God into his marvelous kingdom and also how we are sealed by the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee. If you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, 
Nothing changes that. It's a guarantee. And today he continues to say, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So today we'll title this part as love for God and for the people. Love for God and for the people. And it is also amazing that, you know, when we go through trials, when we go through temptations, when we lack, it's, we, we are driven to go to God, to pray. And as we also saw last week, that these were a group of people who were blessed beyond measure, but they were living ignorantly, not seeing what God has in store for them. But one thing was for sure that they had accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and there was fruit as they were walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all saints. First of all, that is one important thing. The love for the Lord Jesus Christ and the love for the saints. No one is able to love people if they cannot love the Lord. You're not able to love people if you don't know how to love the Lord. You know, the, the good part of it is God has taught us how to love. We learn from him. The Bible says he first loved us even while we were yet sinners. We didn't deserve it. But still, he loved us tremendously. Though we are incomplete, God loves us completely. Though we are imperfect, he loves us perfectly. Though we may feel lost and without compass, God's love encompasses us completely. He loves every one of us, even those who are flawed, rejected, awkward, sorrowful, or broken. He loves us. He loves us. The question would be, are you drawn by this kind of love to love him back? This was so evident. This was a testimony from them hearing your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Not this specific people, St. Teresa, St. whoever. Everyone. That is why he tabled it when we began. To the saints. Who are the saints? It's every believer. So your love for all the saints is astounding. It's amazing. After I had this, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. Wow. So remember, we don't only pray for bad situation. Even when God has done marvelous things in our eyes and we see them, we ought to pray and to give thanks. Because many people, when we're in trouble, that's when we go to God. It is good to go to God. But what about when he's provided? 
What about when he's given you good health? What about when he's provided for you things that you didn't even imagine? When God has provided for us, we take it as normal. I worked. I did this. I did that and I have this. Having heard of this testimony, say, I do not cease to give thanks, making mention of you. Which means when you see people doing good, thank God for them. Thank God that that there is a work of God in their lives. Thank God that there is fruit in their lives. Thank God that there is something happening. Don't just wait for the bad to happen. Thank God in every situation. And I cease not making uh, mention of you in my prayers. How long ago did you mention people? by name in your prayers. Maombi ni ya crusade. Mungu bariki kila mtu jinsi ambavyo unapenda. Amen. When did you last mention someone in your prayers? When? Or we hear people doing good and we turn our face against them. Oh, ata anaringa squeeze. Oh, oh. Making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wow. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. You guys know what wisdom is? The proper application of knowledge. So what knowledge do you have about Christ? What knowledge do you have about God? As Peter told us a few weeks ago, That we should grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not just puffing ourselves to want to know things so that we can at least have a point when we meet with other, you know, sophisticated people, other learned friends. It's the right application. Of the wisdom, of the knowledge that we have received from him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. That that which was concealed. That if you have the right knowledge and you apply it correctly, it will be open. You will be able to see what God is actually saying to you. 
you'll be able to discern and to know what God is actually doing in your life. And the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The eyes of your what? Of your understanding. Your spiritual eye, the way you perceive things, the way you see things, he says, may, may that be open so that you see, I know you are believers, I know you're going through this, but then you're living as people who have no hope at all. Yet there are many blessings, spiritual blessings, he talked about them. Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. I mean, how will you be able to see that if the eyes of your understanding are dimmed? How will you be able to see that? And this is, this is a wonderful prayer from the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, being open. Wow. That you don't just follow things without understanding. That you may know the hope. What is the hope? says in Romans that the hope does not disappoint. Hope is synonymous to that which is certain. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This kind of, this flow of thought confuses people. Because how, how do you have the evidence of things that we cannot physically see? How do you tell people, hey, I am healed, but they don't see it? How do you tell people, I have peace, but yet the, what they see is the exact opposite? It's confusing. The hope. This is something that is certain. In other words, he's giving them an affirmation. That your calling is sure. Your calling is sure. Believe in him who called you. That whatever he has said in his word, it will surely come to pass. If he says he will come back for you, he will come back for you. 
If he says, in this world you will go through a lot of troubles and tribulations, you will. And again, he says, hey, I will be with you until the end of time. He will. Every word that he said, he will do it. If you have never known the power of God's love, then maybe it is because you have never asked to know about it. I mean, really ask, expecting an answer, expecting to know about it. And here is the paradox. We can fully embrace God's love only when we recognize how completely unworthy we are of that love. The eyes, your eyes be enlightened to see this hope of his calling, which are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And here are two amazing things. In Leviticus, and also we went through it in um, the book of Joshua too, with the, the Levites, God says to them that as you know, every tribe is being allocated their borders, what they're supposed to have. For the tribe of Levi say, hey, you will not receive any of this inheritance. Why? Because I, God, I am your inheritance. What a wonderful thing to know that God says that I am your inheritance. But again, the other side also, God calls you his inheritance. How be it that you are God's inheritance? He has delight in you. What are the riches of the glory of his Inheritance in the saints. Sometimes I read these words and like I sometimes you don't want to believe it. Sometimes you it is hard for your, your brain to crack these cords, to break them down into pieces. But then God's love overwhelms us. We cannot fully understand the depth of it. Loving God and loving people. You cannot say, hey, I, I really, really, really love God. I really, really love God. I really, really hate people. <laughs> I really, really hate people. I don't like people. I don't like this. Or, as you've heard people say, I love God, but I hate the church. (laughs) 
God considered us to be his inheritance. Look at what he says here in verses 19 and 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Understanding God's power. You remember what he said previously? That he wanted to know who? Christ. And the power of his what? His resurrection. This is what he wants to know. I want to know him and the power that brought him from the dead. What is this power that is being talked about here? Understanding God's power, the power that brought Christ back to life, the power that heals the sick, the power that brings people who are in chains and he gives them freedom. What good is this power if you cannot access it? If you cannot enjoy it in Christ Jesus? You'll just hear people talk about it, but you have nothing to do with it. The awesome greatness of God's power is seen in Christ's resurrection. Say, which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. This awesome power is seen in Christ's resurrection. And also, it is seen in both the saints who have accepted to follow Jesus Christ. That the same power that rose him from the dead, that same power rose you from the depth of sin. And now you are a child of God, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. He walks, which he walked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. This gives me a lot of consolation. Also, it's very timely with what is happening today, what we are going through. We're seeing people craving for power. People want to be in authority. 
And what does the Bible say? This is Christ's power is far much above what all principalities. Everything that is in the air, everything that is in the heavens, everything under the earth, everything everywhere is subjected to the authority of who? Of Jesus Christ. I'm not afraid of what a mere mortal man can do to me. Because every power they have, it is that which they have received from God. And sometimes people say, well, how, how can a non-believer receive power from God? <laughs> how can that happen? The Lord has the ability to turn their hearts towards him. Not forcefully, but he can turn their hearts towards him. I know every one of us here probably, 90% or 100% on Tuesday will go and cast our votes, right? <laughs> Some are excited some are having a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure, by the way. This pressure will cause many people today not to attend church because of what is about to happen. And you know, the other day we were discussing and you know, telling guys that you know, the, the individuals that we want to vote in, how many of them are Christians? For those who want to be the president, there are how many? Four, right? How many of them are Christians? Probably one. Who is a reverend? <laughs> I don't know. The rest, <laughs> they are as heathen as it can get. So how do we expect people who are not born again to do God's will. How do we expect people who are not born again to live by the book? How do we expect them to love people as Christ has loved us? We are putting so much on them and they're not born again. All we can do is to pray for them that their lives will be changed whether they are presidents or not, whether they become governors or not, that their lives will be transformed by God's power. All of us, we are incomplete. It's only God who loves us completely. And he says that far above all principalities and all power, and might and dominion and every name every name that has authority in this planet every name that is named not only in this age not only in this country in this county 
and this constituency and this word. But also in that which is to come. In other words, Paul is reminding us that Christ is in charge, regardless. He's been, he is, and he will be, regardless. And do you know what we receive from the New Testament again? As the Bible says, that the gates of hell will not prevail against what? The church. Because the church is the church of Jesus Christ. He is the head and we are the body. So nothing whatsoever, whether we go through whatever situation, remember that the church of Jesus Christ remain standing. I mean, we have read in the Thessalonians, he says he will come back to, you know, to rapture the church, to take the church. If the church is all gone, what will he take? <laughs> what is remaining for him to take? Like, hmm, probably have three, four people down there. No, trust me, it will be a multitude. It will be a lot of us. No one politician will kill the church. No one politician will tell me what to preach on a Sunday morning. No one government will dictate to me what, I must, what I'm supposed to teach. It is the Bible that dictates what we are supposed to consume. Not any politician, not any other person. Every other power is subjected to the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he put all things under his feet, the Bible says. <laughs> not one thing, not a political aspect, not any other calamity, not what you don't have or what you have. Everything and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So I'm reminding us again, Christ is the head of the church. And the, people normally say that, hey, the, the Satan is the opposite of God. No. God has no opposite. He reigns, he's made to be God. We know who the enemy is. We know his end. We read it from the Bible. What will be done to him? Him and his demons. I mean, it is settled in the heavens. And it changes not. There's one preacher said that if the devil reminds you of, his, of your past... Remind him of his future. Remind him of his future. We know where he belongs. 
But all we know that all power belongs to Jesus and all things are under his feet and he's been given power to be over the church, over everything. Our constitution may change. God's constitution doesn't change. Our way of life will always change, like daily. The way of a believer remains the same. The prices of commodities and supplies will go up and down. God's economy remains. Trust me, even if fuel will one time be 300 per liter, you still see people driving their vehicles. People will still find unga. You know, that is a big problem right now. I mean, we can't find unga. We're like, life is shut. <laughs> oh, we... Man. The bundles will come to this one shop. And they only sell, they only give you one. So you buy one before you turn back and look at that shelf. It's gone. It's gone. Hey, think about it. If we will never taste ugali anymore, <laughs> will still life continues? If your mokimo doesn't appear anywhere, will you still love God? Many years back, the economy People talked about the economy or say, well, there was a lot, there was a lot of money, there was circulation of money. But you know the amazing thing? That people couldn't afford even a bicycle, even a motorbike, those years. But yet we say what? The economy was good. There was circulation of money. <laughs> right now there's, there's people have blocked money in their houses or whatever. People are popping cars like popcorns. People are building houses like they've never before. Where is this money coming from? The economies will change. Lifestyle will change. Everything will change. But the Bible says what? The heavens and the earth will pass. But his word remains the same. What is the word that remains the same? That God is in charge. Christ is above all things. Both yesterday, today, and forever, he is indeed in charge. Jesus controls everything regardless of time. Everything. It is for us to have faith in him. One writer said that faith does not feed on thin air but on facts about knowing Christ and what he has done. Do you know what Christ has done for you? Do you know what Christ has done for the church? For his body globally? 
whatever he's done, requires us to draw back and bow our heads, go on our knees and worship him. Worship God. Truly. You know, when we were reading a text on Thursday here with the children of Israel, when they went to battle, this is the time of judges still in First Samuel. They went for battle, and first time, 4,000 of them were killed. And they devised a plan. They said, ah, we know how we are going to win this battle. They sent for the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they said, if we bring this in our midst, then the enemy has no place at all with us. And do you know the two people who accompanied the ark of God while they were bringing it? Hophni and who? What was Phineas? Hophni and Phineas. These were the two sons of Eli, the priest. And do you know their history? They were wicked beyond measure. God got angry with Eli because of what he allowed his children to do in the, in the tabernacle. And these are the people who have accompanied the Ark of the Covenant. And when it came into the camp, the Bible said that there were great shouts until the earth trembled. Until the, the enemy's camp were like, man, this has never happened before. Well, who, the, the gods of the Hebrews have been brought. The God who plagued the Egyptians is here. This is something to fear. But you know what we learned? That people can shout and shout, but there's no God in their midst. They shouted and shouted and the ark was there. In fact, the ark was captured and over 30,000 foot soldiers were killed. Why? Because they thought they had boxed God somewhere. Let's go and do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. If we do this, now God will be pleased with us. Faith does not feed on thin air. Gotta feed on the meat and bones of God's word. And he put all things under his feet. That was that scripture in First uh, Samuel was to remind us that when you see people shouting, don't think that God is in their midst. People can shout and go home tired and still have not experienced God at all. People can shout. People can speak things. People can say great swelling words. But God is not there in their midst. It is not how high you can jump. It is how low you can go on your knees. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be 
head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It is Christ who fills everything. If your fulfillment is fine in something else, you'll crave for things too soon. But if you find your fulfillment in Christ, man, you will experience his joy. You will experience his joy. And as I mentioned earlier, say if you have never known the power of God's love, then maybe it is because you've never asked to know it. And we can fully embrace God's love only when we recognize how completely unworthy of it we are. Unworthy. God is worthy. As I bring the worship team to come, I want you to take a moment and think about the word of God. Think about our situations as we um, continue to pray most of our country for the big decision that we're going to make on Tuesday, casting our votes. I hope the Lord will speak to you and that you will see beyond your tribe. You'll see beyond your village mate. You'll see beyond the 50 bob, the, the, the two packs of unga that you're given and make very informed decisions. Don't be rowdy. Don't do something funny. Go cast your vote, go back home. If you don't know, there is a great presence of the government around. The police are around. They are not here for a picnic. <laughs> Just reminding you, they are not here for a picnic. They are here for a job. It's your duty as a citizen to do your part and let the rest be done with the government and the arms of the government. Though we are incomplete, God loves us completely. Though we are imperfect, he loves us perfectly. And though we may feel lost and without compass, God's love encompasses us completely. He loves every one of us. Even those who are flawed, rejected, awkward, sorrowful, broken, having all the heartaches in this planet. Remember the love of God. That it is this love that took him to the cross. He looked at Jerusalem and wept over it. 
I don't know if you have looked deep down your heart and saw something that needs a whipping. Look deep down your heart and saw something that you need to talk to God seriously about. I don't know about you, but I know for me I have. And it's a bunch of them. It's a bunch of them. That I need to go to God in prayer without fearing, without worrying about it, knowing for sure that He loves me. If you love God, you'll be able to love people. God, we are thankful for the opportunity. We are thankful that we are here. We are thankful that you have provided a way for us to know you more, to know you better. Above all the pressures, above all the uncertainties that we have, one thing for sure we know that you love us. One thing we know for sure that you are with us. And your word says that if you are with us, if you are for us, who can be against us? Nobody. We thank you, God, for the assurance. Help us to remember these things, even in the past days to come that you are in charge, that you reign over all, regardless of how we feel about it. And Lord, even as we are worshiping you through our finances, may we give what is glorifying to you. May we not give out of fear, but let us give out of love for you and what you have done. So we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is... 0718 See you next time.